Hello, my little mistakers, and welcome to the Humor in Mistakes podcast, where we encourage everyone to find humor in their mistakes. If you're a first-time listener, welcome to the show. And if you're a long-time listener, then I'm sorry. I've been gone for a while. And if you've cheated on me with other podcasts, well, I understand. I couldn't expect you to wait forever. Uh, The reason for my absence is because I went to New Hampshire to work as a rifle director in the middle of the woods. I had no internet, no cell phone service, but honestly, guys, it was great. It was a time to think. It was a time to reflect. Experts say that social media is bad for you and getting away from the internet would make you a happier person. And they're correct. Apparently, not judging or comparing yourself to other people throughout life is actually pretty good for you. You know, I suggest that everyone, every few years, just go off into the middle of the woods. Don't don't be able to explain why you're doing it. Quit your job and just go in the middle of the woods. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, well, what if I have a family or a, or a wife or husband? Do it anyways. Because once you get back after two months, you'll be a better father, a better mother, a better husband or a better wife. So just do it. Just one day they they turn over, they look beside them in the bed and you're gone and you leave a little post-it note because you're respectful and you're not a monster. And you explain to them, hey, I'm going into the middle of the woods. I left my cell phone. Feel free to use the rest of my minutes or my data and I'll be back in two months. You'll thank me for it one day because I'll be better once I return. That's what you should do. That's what you should do, guys. I suggest everyone go to the middle of the woods for some point in their life. Um, But this is a great episode. Uh, I will be filling you in on what I've been doing the past few months over the next few episodes. I'll keep you updated. Thank you for being patient. This episode features the hilarious and wonderful Jen Bianchi. She's a fellow comedian and improviser, and she's a mentor to me. I come to her with issues, and she assists with them. Uh, this is a great episode because Jen helped me quit my job without even knowing it because I listened to her job-quitting story several times. Just in knowing her over the past few years and hearing her tell it, I was like, that sounds wonderful. I want to quit a job, too. So thanks, Jen, and thank you for being on the episode. Take a listen, little mistakers. You'll learn something. Hello, my little mistakers, and welcome to the Humor in Mistakes podcast, where we relish in people who have made mistakes but can laugh at them now. What's up, Jen? Hey! I'm here with Jen Bianchi and Andrew Gleason. And my dog, Basil. And the dog, Basil. How's it going, Jen? Uh, going well. Just had a lovely breakfast with some fresh-made juice. And, oh, I did bring a juicer out. I learned that's how you impress someone. Is making them fresh juice? Yeah, that's how I was impressed by... Because this is not my juicer. It is my friend's juicer. And she impressed me by making me fresh juice. Nice. Yeah. Everyone should have like their go-to thing to impress a date. They should. What is yours? Uh, I cook. Okay. Uh, that's my, that's how I impress people. I also like 
food to me is related to um, family and conversation and like all of my best memories take place either in the kitchen or around like the dinner table with people just there's something about having a good conversation when you're relaxed and your your belly's full and you got a cocktail like it's just that's the best I'll uh, I'll write it I'll make you chicken parmesan okay or I'll write you a little wrap Ooh, yeah. can you rap while making the chicken? Actually, can you rap about chicken parm right now? Uh, chicken parm don't do no harm. Uh, chicken parm only use chicken raised on a farm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, ring the alarm. Uh, I have some charm. Chicken's at the barn. Yeah. A little slant rhyme. I've been watching Charmed, The Power of Three. Dude, how great is Charmed? I haven't watched the new one yet. I'm not going to watch it. What? Nope. Why not? I'm one of these people, I'm old, just... I'd even like when... Uh, I don't want to have spoilers, but it's after... It's been she- out for 12 years. <laughs> it's been longer than that. But after Shannon Doherty was gone, replaced with Rose McGowan. Yeah, it wasn't... Yeah. It was still good. It was good. It was good. But... The fact that the one guy uh, became an undemon. Oh, yeah. And then there's white lighters. You, yeah. Okay, cool. cool you don't cool, know cool. what white lighters are? No, no. I've heard of white nighters. Uh, what's an undemon? Uh, so he was a lord of hell. And then because of his love for one of the witches, they uh, like took the demon part out of him or like yeah. muted it. But it was always like a back and forth thing, and then she had to wind up killing him yeah. or sending him to the beyond or whatever. It for... was really weird. <sighs> no, it was it was everything that that early twenties me wanted in a show. I'm at the part, the season two, where I don't like where uh, you know she ends up with Leo, uh, mm-hmm. the uh, white lighter. Yeah, the white lighter. But there's that part where they're in a love triangle right now, where she's like, I don't know if I want to wait for him. <sighs> I don't like that part. How many times have you watched the show? Uh, three times. It's going to be my third. <laughs> <laughs> I used to catch it when it was on like at 10 o'clock in the morning. Okay. I'm like, yeah. I didn't watch those shows because they scared me. Uh, I don't like Buffy or anything like that. They scared me. Another show that scared me was um, uh, uh, that 70s show. <laughs> <laughs> when it would spin around? It would spin around. It was very uh, weird. You know, I didn't like seeing... Uh, Eric talked to his parents high because the walls would move. It was very disorienting, <laughs> that show. Yeah. So oh. that stopped you from doing all drugs and alcohol. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I've always yeah. been a teetotal. I've always said that. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely been your MO. That, that show changed it for you. Uh, what do you do to impress someone? Uh, I like to use my words. Uh, I like to use big words to impress them, uh, to make them think I'm smart. So I'll say things like, you want to... Cuddle up, watch some Netflix, maybe catch a phalange. <laughs> um, Are you talking about fingering? Like, yeah, that's, yeah. Oh, that, that's you have your fingers or your toes. That's the layman's term, yeah. But I'll say phalange, and that typically works. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Now, what do you do if she's also educated and asks that same question of, you're not talking about fingering me? You just admit it, or you're like, oh. Well, yeah, I'll give a subtle nod and a wink. Oh. Okay. A nod and a wink typically... Eliminates any kind of awkwardness, I find. Mm, yeah, yeah. Does the conversation continue after that, or is it suddenly abruptly ended? Yeah, no, it'll, it'll, it'll continue. I like to whisper sweet things when uh, I'm, I'm tossing out a couple phalanges. <laughs> <laughs> How often does this method work for you? To be honest, man, I haven't been on a date in 
Yeah, no, I don't date, man. Yeah. I've been on dating like six months. I try to put you on the McNeil method. I don't. I well, don't ooh, have... what is the McNeil method? He's is is it patented? Yeah, well, he's got he's got like McNeil has has a suaveness about him, like a, a devil may care kind of attitude. But you know that that river runs deep. Exactly. Oh, I thought you were gonna say dry. But... <laughs> <laughs> as, I, I have learned that people want to dig in. So as long as you hope, as long as you leave a crack, like there is something beneath this dude that I can dig into. Everyone loves that. Women want a mystery. Like they like I can't say that, not all women. But I think there is something charming about a guy that doesn't say too much. Uh but then again, you're talking to me who talks all the time and my husband rarely says anything. But when he does, like it's always you heard him tell the story earlier. It's always like, damn, okay, you've lived a life. Yeah. 70-30 rule. You only need to say 30% of the conversation on a date. Because my mom used to tell me, dudes rule themselves out. So the more the more you give them to say, oh, this dude eliminated himself from the date too, the more evidence that they have. So yeah, I, am, I only say 30% of the conversation and just ask questions and we'll follow up with a great retort. And then ask another question because people love oh to God, talk so about you themselves. Listen, yeah, that's all you have to do is listen and ask leading questions. Exactly. Make little funny puns. Improv did wonders for my dating life. Oh wow! Yeah. Is it that did. is that what you do? You think that you're a lot cooler now that you took improv? I think that it. I think it helped me develop listening skills, so I can I can listen because I can because you know how like in improv you listen. I probably shouldn't admit this, but you know how in improv you listen, but you are, and you're supposed to be active, but sometimes in the back of your head, you're doing other stuff, like yeah. for the scene. So yeah. I can listen and be watching. Multitask. Uh, yeah, I can be watching Martin in my head while listening to someone's story. Martin! <laughs> and still Martin. respond. Because <laughs> some people's stories be boring, and so I can, like, I can still fake it's listen. Keywords. It's a lot of eye contact, nodding. And like, yeah, yeah. It's super easy to pretend you're paying attention. Exactly. And I'm entertaining myself listening <laughs> to a Martin Till jokes. Yeah. I just don't have that drive, man. Yours. It's just too much effort. It's too much effort to listen? To uh, go through the motions and try to uh, do everything you're supposed to do to get where you're trying to go. So how do you expect to get there? I don't really. If it happens, it happens. Okay. Right. I wish I was like Andrew. I wish I could turn it off. But Andrew seen me after like two weeks. Oh, yeah, I start. I, I text Andrew and I was like, I'm going out and I got to find. So it had been like two weeks and I was sweating. And so now you're going to a boys camp in New Hampshire. I need this training. Okay. I need it. All right. I need this monkness. It's an exercise of discipline. Exactly. And you're 90 minutes away from Boston. I got to. I think that. It is. It is. Are you now. gonna have a celibate summer? I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's become a crutch. There is. If I have to have sex every two weeks and I like can't focus because of it, then that is now a problem. That is. Um, is it Jason Momoa who did that? Like uh, in his trailer, like he would he would only have pictures of like his wife or beautiful women or whatever, but would not have sex while he was filming Game of Thrones. I might be getting this messed up, but I feel like there was someone who like refused that got him more angry and more like in the battle of uh, the spirit that. of battle. Oh, well, I it's like about athletes, that. not 
having sex before the big fight or whatever. I think that's untrue because a lot of these athletes have like seven kids out there. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but Jen, let's talk about you because okay. we're here to talk about you. Uh, you know the concept of humor and mistakes. We want to hear about mistakes that you've made. But first, let's get to know you a little bit. Sure. Who is Jen Bianchi? Um. Wow, that's a great question. Um. So, let's see here. I uh, was a child actor. Like, it was something that I really loved doing. Not, like, famous or anything. Um, but had the chance to go and, like go to school for acting and just didn't want to do it and didn't want to do it and kind of stayed away from it. And then went to college and stayed drunk. It was my favorite thing to do. Didn't finish, uh, left like the second semester of my junior year, uh, got into corporate America, started working, did really well with that, uh, and fell into improv cause it wasn't as time consuming as sketch. And so started doing improv and um, quit my big girl corporate job a couple years ago and went back to school. And now I'm working for corporate America again. You have a story about quitting your corporate job. Oh, yeah. That yeah, yeah, I yeah. love. I quit in my pajamas. Yeah, I, um, I hated my job and I was called a bitch. Can I, ooh, can I cuss? Yeah. Okay, cool. So it's called a bitch not once but twice. You talked about fingering. Uh, yeah, oh, valid. You know, valid. But he he said <laughs> phalange. <laughs> so therefore, it was it was only a proper fingering. Okay. Uh, Fair PG flavor. Okay. Oh, I would like like I don't know. It's like I feel like when people sub fancy words for common tongue, it, like makes them more British. I don't know why. Oh, a proper, a proper phalange. Hey. Yeah. 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 That's the right term, too. I mean, sometimes you want to offer them a proper, uh, a proper common tongue instead of a phalange. Ooh. Ooh. Coitus. Yeah, yeah coitus. Coitus. Uh, sorry, I love you both, but you're like my little brothers. So talking about sex with you makes me really uncomfortable. <laughs> And we strive to make people comfortable. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so um, so I had decided uh, that I was going to quit. So I had all of this vacation. So I used it up and I actually called my corporate office to see if I could quit while on vacation. And they were like, no. I'm like, okay. So my last day of vacation, I walked in the office with uh, in my pajamas. And I'm like, what are you? You're not supposed to be here today. I'm like, yeah, um... I don't want to work here anymore. And they're like, you don't want to work at this location or for the company. I was like, yeah, no, I'm good. <laughs> like, what are you going to do? I was like, oh, had some savings and just kind of quit and lived off my savings. Um, my boss did call me, my, my VP who kept calling me a bitch called and he was like, why are you quitting? Where are you, re- where are you really going? I was like, oh no, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. He's like, no one just quits. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. And I think I was 34 at the time. Uh, yeah. So I quit, waited tables for a while, and went back to school. That's what happened to me. My second line, who had never really had a conversation with me, pulled me aside. I was like, are you sure you really? Because I turned in my two weeks notice uh, a week and a half ago or something like that. Last day is on Monday. Yes. High five. 
And he's like, are you sure you want to do this? I want to make sure that you're not making a, a, a quick, rash, terrible Well, that's the decision. thing. That's their terrible mistake. Yeah. Not having consistency, not having that paycheck yeah. that's every two weeks. That's terrifying to yeah. some people. And, like, you're not, you're not on a, you're, you're missing a goal. Like, what's the goal, though? I think that success is different for different people. Yeah. And if you're not happy with your everyday life, then you're never going to be happy no matter what happens. Can you talk about what they did with the email? Oh, uh, so in the email, I had said that I was going to, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to put a little bit more into comedy. I'm going to work on web development and freelance a bit. And uh, I said, I'm going to be working as a camp director. And they left all that part out when they sent out the mass email to let people know I was quitting. And they were like, he's quitting his job to pursue comedy. Fuck yeah. And they just left that part out. And part of me was like, and then, yes, uh, a couple days ago, someone came to me and was like, tell me a joke. And I was like, what? And he's like, if you're quitting to do comedy, you should be able to tell me a joke and make me laugh right now. I was like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> like, that's not, well, that's not the comedy that I do. Yeah, do you no. think that all funny people are set up punchline? Because yeah. your life is dull. Yeah. Like, there's, comedy is about, like, tension and trust. Yeah. And, like, it's a dance and the surprise is the sound of the laughter when people, yeah, you've got to, like, fuck that guy. I also don't th- do things on command either. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah no there's then there's that aspect yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so i did do a punchline that made my team lead laugh he was very supportive i was like because he was on a call earlier that he was complaining about with one of our clients and i was like well one thing i'm not gonna miss is being on a call with this client and being upset and not be able to do anything about it and my team leave laugh because it was a shot at him because he always hates that client. And he's like, <laughs> you, you're going to have to keep dealing with this. Uh, and I don't. Yeah, and I think it's, it's just you scare adult adults yeah. when, you're, when you start to pursue your dream. Because yeah. that's something only children do. Exactly. And they feel trapped. Uh, some. Um, only if you're up to the point where you're going up to somebody and you're like, oh, tell me a joke if you're doing that. I think that guy's bitter. Yeah. Sounds bitter to me. Bitter and also, like, it, it's like, you can't, you're not good enough to chase your dreams. Like, yeah. it's not about being good enough. It's about being, it's good enough. It's work ethic. Like, hard work is going to happen if you really want to be successful at anything. Yeah. Hard work in comedy is no different than hard work in accounting. Exactly. Like if you really want to do something with your life, you've got to put all your all into yeah. it. And everyone, like you said, everyone is different. Like some people, they want that paycheck every two weeks, consistent. They don't have to worry about it. They know exactly how much is going to be in there every two weeks. And I get it. You know, I understand it. It's not for me. But it's also like success is different for different people. Exactly. Like happiness. Like that's successful to me is to have... A good life to say that I, I've, I've, you know, I've done things for people. Uh, I, I feel good about my family life. I feel good about uh, my creative life. Like that's successful. But also, like, <laughs> nice cars and vacations are cool too. Oh, they so. are. They are. So, what are you doing now? Because we got we got a little backstory, and then I want to go back to talking about like how did you feel when you were waiting tables. But we'll get there in a second. Cool. So um, now I uh, teach at the pit. I perform with the Landmate Mermaids. I perform with Solid Dad. I actually am starting to perform 
with a team in Charlotte that I really admire called Now Are the Foxes. So I'm going to go to Charlotte once a month. Yeah. Um, and then also I'm getting ready to do uh, the 10 by 10 Play Festival. So I'm playing Margaret Tudor with a British accent. Okay. Uh, and that'll be in Cary and in Chapel Hill in July. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I've auditioned for a couple of uh, scripted work. So I'm just I'm seeing what this... Uh, what the other side of the um, arts I can pursue in the triangle area. Writing sketches, helping put that on. Yeah. Diversifying my comedy. When did you uh, first start seeing the light at the end of the tunnel? Because you, did you like waitressing or did you know it was like means to get you to your it happiness? It paid for my wedding. Oh, it did? Waiting tables. So it was kind of like take a year Figure out what you want to do. It's right when Adam and I kind of got together. Um, and we started living together Your shortly husband. after that. Yeah, my husband now. He was my boyfriend then. Um, and then waiting tables is... It's hard work. It's easy money. Um, I think it's... It also gave me more freedom to do more comedy stuff. So... But now I'm in school and... You've been in school for Wow. Yeah, well, I uh, fell and broke my leg, which means I couldn't do last semester. Oh, and then um, I took a nursing course, which took a whole semester. So it's, yeah, but it is, it'll be four years for a two-year degree. Like, yeah, taking my time. Hey, man. But also, I'm working, I'm doing yeah. comedy. It's not like I eat bonbons all day. That would be the life. And you're enjoying yourself. Yeah, I mean, it's not... Sorry, Basil is really trying to get Andrew to play with her. That's she all likes. she wants. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean... It, I'm the happiest I've ever been. But also, like, I don't do anything full-time. I'm not a full-time mom. I'm a part-time mom because we have a stepson. Uh, I mean, I'm a full-time wife. But, like, I work part-time. I do happy? improv. Part time? Hmm? I was getting happy. I thought I could be a part time husband. Oh in the no, no! <laughs> uh, I am a I'm a one lady kind of gal. No, what? One man kind of gal? Yeah, sure, 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 sure. I like my husband a lot. He's he's the best. Uh, but yeah, I think like there's a lot of balance in my life, so that makes me happy. I don't know how to explain this. Oh, you're happy. Yeah, you got spiritual equilibrium. Sure, that sounds a lot cooler than phalangeing my my happiness. Uh, yeah. Um, so I am a marketing director uh, for InfoStream, um, which is a company that we just started. So that's that's what I do during the day, and then I've got school uh, two days a week, and yeah, and improv four days a week. So. Sketch one day a week. Yeah, well, that's I double that up on improv days and then ah, sketch writing. Smart. But yeah, I uh, I frequently will listen to music and just write a sketch, and then it's done, so I won't start turn it in. So I only try to turn in like the ones that are that are written that I really like. There's a lot of random half cocked ideas. Okay. I say throw it all, see what sticks. You never uh, know. Uh, we'll see. But I don't, like, I have no desire to move to Chicago or New York and try to make it big. Like, I like my little life. Uh, I have lots of friends who 
who are chasing the dream in LA, Chicago, New York. Um, I'm like, I'm just really content in my, uh, I'm a medium sized fish in a medium sized pond. And that's, that's cool. We're a large fish here. Everybody knows Jen. I think I'm a large fish in the improv community. Okay. But like not in stand up, not in stage, not in writing. Like, okay. I want to do more, especially with scripted work. Like I want, I want to be in a play that has lights and costumes and sound effects and yada, yada, yada. Okay, so you want you want like the the what's that called the little the little the clapper yeah the yeah clapper. the black and white clapper okay. yeah that's, that's when you is. know you made it like Ooh. Just... <laughs> uh yeah but I've I've done commercials so oh, I already right? had that oh what commercial so did a commercial when I was a kid um and then I've done a whole bunch of stuff for Vet Street uh, so when I was in Greenville South Carolina. Uh, there is this web series for vets and people who are pet owners and did a whole bunch of videos for super vet. Um, and then did uh, another series of videos for a friend of ours who has a uh, software company and like it was when windows 10 changed over and we did all of this fun stuff. So, I mean, I get royalty checks, like yeah, $10 every like five to six months. So (laughs) I've made it. (laughs) We don't get royalty checks. So there you yet. I started a spreadsheet a year ago trying to track like all the money I've made from just like comedy in general. Not. Tens of dollars. <laughs> I think the most I ever made was probably from Vet Street, and it was like a hundred dollars every day you filmed. And then I've done workshops and stuff, and like corporate workshops, and that's that's paid the bills. But I also turn around and give it away to the people who help me. Yeah. So, oh, I don't, I don't want to hashtag hustle everything <laughs> that I do. I think our, my biggest payday was what was HS2's biggest pay. Oh. Or maybe it was a bra. Oh, it was probably Varsity. Oh, true. Oh, yeah. When Varsity was a thing, that wasn't bad. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was 10 minutes. I think we got like yeah. 30 bucks or something. Yeah. Man, that was, yeah. like, that was good. I got a improv noir. We used to make money. <clears throat> so that was good. Here on Humor and Mistakes, we take strong stands against companies who have wronged some of our people. So is there a uh, audition that you had with the company that you didn't get and humor and mistakes will stand up against them? Um, no, because if I didn't get something, it's because I wasn't right for the part. We want to take a stand. Did you, did you try out for Skittles? We will. I didn't, I didn't try out for Skittles. I didn't No, I think, no, I think like, uh, you can't fault the people that you're auditioning for for not choosing you because you're not what they're looking for. It's a very rare opinion to hear these days. I feel like a lot of people talking about uh, casting people being uh, D-bags. Yeah, well, then maybe they aren't taking a close enough look at their work. Like, you... What other people think about me, I want to I wanna pretend that I feel that it's none of my business, but, like, I care too much. I always worry about what people think of me, and I'm, I'm really trying to not, because I think that for what I do and for who I am, I'm, I'm really good at being me. Like, I can't be other people. Um, 
And I, I guess that's that's what acting is, yeah. becoming other people. But then I haven't, I've failed to show them my range. Like, if I haven't, also, I will say this. This is great. So, I'm not supposed to tell the story, but I'm going to tell it anyways because I love you. So, recently, a friend of mine was in a musical. And he got the opportunity to move away and pursue his dreams. And so, there was a void in that. And I knew the assistant director and some of the people on the cast. And she asked, she was, I made a joke about like, I mean, I'll fill in for him. I'll do it in a heartbeat. And she's like, oh my gosh, can you send me a video of you singing? So I went in my car and I sang a song. And I have not sang professionally in a long time. And I sent her the video and I didn't hear anything back. And about an hour later, she sent me a text that said, it's a really hard part. <laughs> We're probably just going to take it out of the play altogether, you know? Yeah. And I was like, man, have you ever auditioned for something so bad they removed <laughs> it from the show? Because I have. And also, like, there's no comparison mm-hmm. in me and this other actor. Yeah. Like, he is going now to lead a school of theater. I'm not that person. I did not go and study, you know, 10 years somewhere. And, like, I'm not well-versed in technical theater ways of being. Uh, I do pretty good for, for an improviser. But I'm no, like, Lawrence Olivier. Well, that's funny because um, during, back when DSI was still here, and during auditions, I remember. Because you, like, you know when you're at auditions, you're just... You're just going in a theater. So, like, all the new people are cool with each other. And some of the new people didn't get what they wanted. And I remember, I'm not going to say this person's name, but they were complaining to me. And they were like, they don't know what they're talking about. Like, I'm better. And I was like, well, like, everybody on the panel, they probably have over, like, 50, 60 years of experience auditioning and being in theater. And, what, we only have, like, four between the two of us. Maybe they know what they're talking about. Maybe we should like take notes and There's a lot of grow. excuses. Yeah, like Well also I think that people aren't self motivated enough because I didn't get cast on the best of. Yeah. And like I wasn't the best of then. I think I'm much better now that I've got seven years of improv experience yeah. under my belt. Because I got more tools. And I think like the people who were complaining about never making the top tier teams because they're not liked or loved or whatever, like then do your own shit, man. Make your own team. Go hustle somewhere else. Like, if you're not getting what you want, that's not on them. That's on you. Go find it. And to add on to that, there were extra reps on Friday then. So it was like free stage time to get on stage. And I used to know who was going on Fridays because I was there every Friday. Come on, jam. Huh? Yeah, the jam. Yeah, where anyone can get on stage. It was good free time. There was also a once a month. Um, like anybody could sign up and get their raffle time. Like there, there are opportunities. People aren't self starters. People exactly. aren't self motivated. Like I remember when everything fell apart and the Land Mermaids. Uh, we already had formed and we knew that we wanted to do the women's festival. And I had someone won't name names came up to me and was like, "How are you getting all these shows? What are you doing? What's so great about you?" And it's like. I called every single person I knew. I sent emails to every single theater that had improv. I called friends in Richmond. I called friends in South Carolina. I called friends in Charlotte. I got a shows wherever the fuck I could. If it was five minutes, 10 minutes, 12 minutes, whatever. And we started having a social media presence. And like now I think we're probably one of the most successful teams in the triangle. You are. And we, I mean, I'm getting, I just got a phone call, not a phone call, a, a Facebook message um, so Debbie and I are both alums of UNC Charlotte, 
And I'm sure you guys heard about what happened at the end of last semester and the school shooting. Yeah. So they're doing a fundraiser in Charlotte. And she said, you know, I want it to be comedy. I want the Land Mermaids there. I haven't booked anybody else yet. I want to make sure that we have you. So what weekends can you work? And they're like, that's, that's fucking badass. Exactly. Like that's just, and it's, that's not, that's not something that I worked for. That's somebody who reached out. We're doing a fundraiser for, um, Heroes or Medals of Valor, which is a fundraiser for the Fallen Warrior Project in Fayetteville, North Carolina in June. Like people are reaching out. People are asking us to come down and it's, it's fun and great. I don't think that we're the best improv team, but I think that we're fun and we're consistent. And people don't realize that that two years ago when you were sending all those emails laid the groundwork for you to be getting those shows now that you're getting because they help get y'all practice. Your practice, you're showing up. I can't tell you how many teams, comedians fall I've booked apart. fall apart last minute day of. Yeah. Can't make it. Like <sighs> then it's not it's not on on the on the promoters. It's not on the people. Like consistency gets you someplace. Being consistent, showing up, doing the work makes you better. Gets you've gotta put in your time, you gotta put in your dues. And if someone's telling me that you're not good enough, then you fucking do something somewhere else. Exactly. Like the only person who's holding you back or pushing you forward is you. Yeah. And it just it 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 bothers me when these people are like, you know, maybe we're not the best, but we show the fuck up. I'm gonna remix a song for you for the Land Mermaids. Started from the Soggy Culotta, now we're here. Oh <laughs> God, Soggy Culotta. That's what we call our form. <laughs> So the South oh, Lada, no, okay. yeah. So we've we've since we created our form, that's what we named it. Yeah, that was uh, the OG name though. Okay. That was the OG name, yeah. and that, we were Ooh. it was Rachel, Amber, myself, and Meredith sitting around. Owens. So she, Sarah Owens, she was not at the first meeting, nor really when we became a team, is when we got White Girl Wasted at my house. Uh, I remember that night. Speaking of me not dating, there's this one morning I wake up and my mom sent me a message like. All of them, all of a sudden, Kulata like left me Facebook messages, being like, "It was like five different women's names, being like, oh man, I love you, Andrew." <laughs> My mom was like, "Do you need to tell me something?" Like, what is... <laughs> I married a coven. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm a pimp. <laughs> we, we, all I remember is gravel pussy. Like we, uh, that and that was the like, getting white girl weight. You will never be as close with someone. Than if you get fucking white girl wasted with them. Everyone who dislikes me, let's get drunk together and you will love me the next day. <laughs> that's like the... That's, 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 that's my real trick. Okay. Uh, first date trick, get real drunk and you're going to love this girl. <laughs> Just you're getting that all, all on the table. Like, here's how I am when I'm drunk. You know? uh, there was uh, um, drunk gin when I was a heavy, heavy drinker in my 20s. Uh, and no one was allowed to tell me what drunk Jen did. And then if I got really <laughs> drunk, it was Lucy. And Lucy was out of control. Lucy almost got kidnapped one time. Uh, Lucy was, she was, she was my bad girl persona. How did Lucy almost get kidnapped? Okay, uh, what had happened was, are you familiar with Blind Melons, No Rain, and the Bumblebee Girl? It's this little chubby girl who dresses up like a bee. Well, one Halloween, we would go to this event called Carn Evil, which took place in Charlotte in the warehouse district. It was like 50 bucks, all you could eat, all you could drink. 
A lot of crazy shit happened. There was like live bands. There was a river of fire with like fire breathing thing. There was a guy who dressed up as a mattress one time. That was really cool. There was like a clown maze. There was some food. There was like a dominatrix room. Uh, we went several years of several stories of several concussions from, from Carnival. But I was dressed as the Bumblebee Girl from Blind Melon's No Rain. And I met up. So I had been drinking a little, but I was also tripping balls. And, um, I was like dancing around this like little lake that had this like fire breathing, uh, mannequin. And I was like just dancing with these people. And then we went out behind and, um, like some of the, the trucks, the like, uh, what are the, the containers, the shipping containers. Yeah. And we went there and we we're like smoking, uh, the marijuana, um, and What's then, that? yeah, well, it's, it's an herb. Okay. Um, and, uh, it's not really a drug. It's an herb. Um, and then I was going to like go off with them. It was like six people are dressed like bees. And then my friends who were dressed as the Muppets were like, Hey Jen, what are you doing? I was like, I don't know. And they had to come and get me from these people. Uh, like, no, she's coming with us. So yeah, I almost got kidnapped. Oh, that's a bunch of bees, man. They were taking back to their lair and making like dance to communicate. <laughs> we were we were we were dancing around this river of fire. It was super fun. Uh, yeah, that was. And I also um, would wear that costume randomly, uh, just out and about, and to friends, mainly at to friends' house parties. Uh, I really love my bee girl outfit. It's so it's, it's so fun to go out in costume. It should not just take place on Halloween. No. Uh, so so when I waited tables in college, uh, I would always work the Saturday morning rush, which was like college football. But in the off season, you'd work for like an hour and you'd get cut. So me and, and this guy, we went to, um, have you ever just done like $5 dollar store shopping or like gone to Goodwill and just bought random clothes? I'm... That's where I shopped. I'm shopped at Goodwill. Yeah, I love Goodwill. So we went and bought like these suits, and we went to the dollar store and bought these um, aviators. And then we used our our. This is when we worked at RJ Gators. We used our our badges, and we would walk to friends' restaurants that like other because when you're waiting tables, you're friends with everybody else that waits tables. And we would just walk around to different tables and be like, RJ Gator Special Police, how's your meal? And like, <laughs> go to the bar, have a drink, then go visit another friend at their work and just like fuck around. It was good times. I thought I always thought it would be funny because I used to deliver food. I mm-hmm. wanted to do it a full day as a mime. <laughs> I bet my tips would go up if I showed up as a mime. Did you hear about the guy who got the job um, by delivering his resume and a box of donuts? No. Yeah, so uh, he was in New York and he couldn't get, because it's all about who you know and not what you know, and he just put his resume on the side of a box of donuts and just started delivering donuts to all of the companies he wanted to work. Damn. He got a job that way. Because he went for it. He went for it. Went for it. Wrong going to Wall Street. <laughs> I'm start I mean, he had an MBA. Like he had credentials. Yeah, but I'm going to forego donuts. I'm going to skip the donuts. I'm going to deliver cocaine. Just like cocaine. <laughs> yeah, just a resume attached to it. You know that you have to buy large amounts of cocaine in order to do that, right? I don't know. What's it made out of? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make it. <laughs> Coca leaf and 
baby aspirin. Uh, we start cooking up cocaine in the kitchen. <laughs> and you guys are working at a Boy Scout camp, right? Okay, cool. Yeah. cool, cool. <laughs> oh, true, true, true. After that, I don't know. I do got a friend up there. I want to be working with the children in New York. I believe the children are future. Jen, you're uh, you've you've become kind of an improv mom. Like people come to you for advice now. Uh, you you run things. You you teach now. So can you talk about some of the mistakes that you made along the way? And the reason I'm asking this is because I think that it'll be important for my little mistakers out there. Okay. Uh, to know how far you've come, but have you ever made a mistake that you thought that like you weren't going to be able to recover from? Or? I mean, I quit improv for a year. I straight up quit. Uh, I was so yeah. So I started at Alchemy and was pretty good. Um, you know, could land a joke. And when I think back on it now, like I would drink really heavily because I thought that made me funny, and it made me sloppy. And I did short form and some long form. But I like don't think I was fun to play with back short then. Short form was a kid show, right? Did you ever? Did you no, got we drunk. Adult, we didn't okay, okay. Adult, I thought uh, you were getting drunk before the kid show. No, 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 no. Uh, they didn't do kid shows. They okay. just had like it's family friendly. But yeah, we'd have yeah. like three, four drinks before or before any femprov show. Uh, and then I got to DSI and was welcomed in relatively quickly. I was on a uh, an incubator team, and then I was switched to a house team. And then I was on a, um, f- like, f- Festival 86 was a phenomenal Herald team. It was Bianca Casul, it was Shane Smith, it was Kyla Taylor, it was Sarah Eldridge was our coach, it was Craig Carter, it was me and Philip, and I was by far the worst person on the team. I was the worst person. Like, I was in my head. They were making these really smart, clever moves, and they're so confident, and I just... I remember being on the sideline being miserable because I had nothing. Like, I was so, like, they're so much better than I am. Why did that get a laugh and mine didn't? And, like, I would count my laughs. And, like, they were consistently less than everybody else's. And I was just so miserable. And I went to short form because I was like, you know what? I'm going to go back to what's safe. And then I took a year off because I was just like, I'm not. I remember driving Sharna Hatburn. Uh, she had been at the festival that year and I was in my little Honda Accord and we were driving and I'm like, okay, this is the godmother of improv. And I'm just like, okay, so I've plateaued. What do I do? And she was like, just keep going. And I was crushed. I was completely crushed because I wanted her to tell me something like, oh, you got to work on physicality or, ah, have you tried accents or whatever? Like I wanted this like sage advice and she's like, you just gotta keep doing it. And I was so, like, heartbroken that I quit. And um, came back after uh, getting married and doing all of that stuff. Um, and, like, started taking classes again. And I think that's something that people, especially in improv or comedy, they feel like, I classes are above me. I don't need to take classes anymore. I think that you always need to take classes. You always need to take workshops. Whether to remind you or to, to stress a thing that you haven't seen. Um, but I came back and like, I realized like, you know what? I'm the problem. If it's, if it's, I'm in my head, then it's my problem. And like, now I have tricks when I don't have something. I got like a, oh, I'll just go in and and just be excited to be next to the person or I'll just want to touch their hair. And it's different with the Lambermaids because we are such great friends that I just enjoy 
making them cringe. I enjoy putting their fingers in my mouth. Like I enjoy doing weird <laughs> stuff with them because I trust Phalanges. them. Phalanges. Phalanges in their oral receptacle. Um, but yeah, I think like I had to I had to quit to realize how much I loved it and how much I wanted to do it and how much I wanted to do it well. So I think those people who are like, I'm good enough, fuck them. Like, no, you're not. Take a class. Keep working. If you really love it, keep working on it. Keep getting better. Because you can. All, there's no such thing as a perfect improv scene or a perfect stand up. Like you're all. I, I still remember the biggest laugh I ever got, and I will always be chasing that feeling. Just like cocaine that we're going to deliver at Wall Street. <sighs> Man, cocaine just wants. I just want to smoke more cigarettes. Really? Yeah. Yeah. What was the biggest laugh? Biggest laugh, uh, it was a show, it was a packed house, it was probably 100 people there, and it was a short form game, and it was good, bad, worse. And I was, I was the worse, uh, but the person who was before me is this girl, Wendy, uh, from Alchemy, who is the funniest human being on the planet. And she was like, yeah, you're going to have to go hard, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fuck with you, like I'm going to be worse, you're going to have to be worse than me. And it, it was going well, it was going well, and this girl asked, you know, I really like camels, where could I ride one? And Good comes up, she's like, oh, you know, uh, you can always go to a petting zoo, something like that. Uh, Wendy, she does this whole elaborate black market setup, and just like, she goes really into like black market camels and how to get them, and the audience is losing their shit. And I have my idea, like, in my head the whole time. I'm like, don't take it, don't take it, don't take it. And I played, had already set up, like, I was kind of like this female bodybuilder kind of character. Um, and so it came to be me. And she's like, so where can I ride a camel? And I had my legs open, and I, like, leaned in very slowly. And I said, I got two humps. You want to ride me? <laughs> and, I mean, people stood up out of their seats and were like, Woo! And whether they did or didn't doesn't matter in the story because in my mind they all stood up and like threw chairs and a baby and it was confetti. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a ticker take parade because my joke was that good. Like that's that's the biggest laugh I've ever gotten, and I don't like I want I want that again. It's funny how you uh, latch on to those little moments when you first start. Yeah, I have two. Ooh. Yeah, uh, the Florida trip. Oh, well, we God, were exhausted. Yeah. We were exhausted, and we were like, "Because you, you had already done a show in Greenville." Exactly, it was we our road sleep. trip. Yeah, we didn't sleep. Yes, you're slap happy. Yeah, fuck yes. Before we left that night, like uh, they were doing, we were sitting right by the stage, and they were doing. Uh, they were bringing up. They were letting like uh, people go up, and like it was like a jam thing. Yeah. I just remember getting that, like, it was like I felt like I was on shrooms. Mm -hmm. and suddenly the music was distant and a little off and, like, the lights. But, yeah. But go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. I'm saying, yeah, we were, because it was a road trip. We hadn't slept. We had driven to Greenville, which was, like, what, four or five hours? From here, yeah, it's about four and a half hours. And then we performed, didn't sleep, and then drove to Florida, which was, like, 12 hours. And we were delirious. And we just got, we were about to get on stage. And both of us were saying, like, it was a mistake to not sleep. And we should have planned this better. And like, we're just going to say fuck it. And we had an amazing show. And but was... what you guys do really well is that you care about one another. Like, you, your shows, 
HS2 shows are always so great because you always love each other. No matter what happens. In every show I've ever seen you do, it's wonderful because you can, you sense that like, I love you and I've got your back and I trust you. Because you're like, and also you just spent 16 hours in the car together. You're so connected. The best shows that we have are always when we've spent a lot of time together. Um, But that spark of on mushrooms or tripping balls or like, I remember there was a show that we did for Chris last year, which is actually the show that we use for submissions for Lammer Maids. And um, there's a scene before and they're killing it. They're doing fucking great. And I'm like, I got nothing. 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 And I took the stage. I was like, I'm going to be a troll. All I had. And it was, it lent itself to this really fantastic run because all I knew was who I was going to be in that scene and whatever they threw me, just going to be a troll. And it was great. Your other, your, your other second big laugh. Oh, it was, I walked into, it was an open mic and I walked into it and it happened to be clean. And the way they the way they worked it is if you curse they black out the lights. Oh, is it good nights? Yeah. And so every comment before it got like thirty seconds in to their set and everybody was bombing. And I was like, all right, I'm just gonna find a way to take all the curse words out. And so my set was killing. And then right when the red light came on, which means it's time to get off stage, I effed up and said a cuss word, and they blacked me out, and it was perfect because it's like. I went out on a high note because <laughs> the, the joke was the joke was hilarious, and I said a cuss word at the end. And I didn't even mean to, and I got blacked out, and it was just amazing. Curse words and going blue are one of those things that, like like Tabasco sauce, a lot will mess it up, but just the right amount, mm-hmm. and like, and I go blue when I get nervous. If you see me like. Dicks, cunts, motherfucker! Like, oh, Jen's Jen's nervous. She's scared. So, big impulse. I think around a lot of people. I'm trying to eliminate all of that shit, man. Really? <laughs> As he says, shit. <laughs> but I'm trying. Uh, stand up. I'm not. I don't want to talk about drugs anymore. I want to talk about sex. I don't want to talk about. I think the thing with stand up and like, I've never felt the rush. Of a good stand-up set, the way that I have felt the rush of a great improv set, because improv, you know, it's free fall and you are building something with the other person, and it's very much like a takes two to tango. And stand-up, like I've just, oh, I've I've done it a couple of times, but I've I've it it doesn't fill me with joy. Uh-huh. It takes a lot of effort to get to that joy. That's my problem with stand-up because it takes so many writing and rewrites. To get to well, that. Well, it's writing, it's rewrites, it's delivery, it's... And, like, how to style flex to different crowds. Exactly. Like, I uh, once did 15 minutes at a biker bar in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And I was changing my material as I was speaking, but half of my set was just dealing with hecklers. Ugh. Which it I've dealt with them, and it was funny, and there were a large amount of the audience were people that I personally knew, so they had my back. But I just uh, still a skill that I just don't have. Will you get really frustrated with it? I get mad. I've seen you. I've seen you retaliate, and it it doesn't it doesn't work well. No, it doesn't. I'm not. I don't look good angry. Um, Were you there at Imbibe? Mm mm. Uh, it was, uh, that was a particularly bad one. 
uh, the guy came up uh, and wanted to speak into the mic. And at that point, like, I wasn't even doing comedy. I was just like, are you serious? Like, do you really want to do... Okay, now you're walking up. Like, what do you want to do? Uh, and then, like, walking home, I saw him being pulled out. Like, he was unconscious being pulled out of the CVS. The CVS on Franklin. So he was just <sighs> fucked up. But, yeah, I just don't... I don't have that in me. Like, it's not funny to me. I don't have any funny retorts. I have one funny joke that works. Uh... And that's, uh, whoever it is, I'm just like, you look like you complain about being single on Reddit. <laughs> like, that um, that gets a laugh, but, like, I can't write, like... Do you ever listen to Pat Oswald's Werewolves and Lollipops? Uh, the special? Mm-hmm. I've heard he's, it. But... He's got a good bit that deals with a heckler. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. And it's it's also Pat Oswald, and he's a comedic genius. Yeah. But you should check it out just for that. Uh, it's it's one of my favorite bits and that story with him dealing with the heckler. It's almost like I would not be surprised if that was an audience plant. Just how well it came across. Oh, hey, it's that's a skill, man. Some comics had it. They do, but it's also like the comics that have that skill are the comics who've worked rooms in Iowa. Yeah, who've like been in Mississippi. Yeah, you're. I mean, comedy is so hard to do live, especially when it's not your audience. Yeah, that's why, like, I mean, uh, Gilbert Godfrey, that's why he talked, like, he had to develop that persona, because he had to shout over crowds. Well, Larry the Cable Guy is from Michigan. Yeah. Yeah, like, he's he's a cousin to my friend Sherry, and I've heard his normal voice, and it's not that twangy Mm. thing. And that's fine, like... I think that's also the thing with improv is the the first year, and I've said this in class, but the first year you figure out the rules and what to do and what not to do. And the second year you've got to figure out like how to play and who you are. And I'm really envious of the people who can stand up on stage and be clever because I will never be that. My brain doesn't work that way. I'll never be able to be like... Oh, yes, Lobster Thomador and Theodore Roosevelt and clever, clever, clever and ha, 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 and a good Henry Kissinger pun. Like, I wish I had that in me, but I don't. I've got wacky inflatable arm guy and, like, crazy bold characters. So it's figuring out who you are and then doing that on purpose. It's Dolly Parton. Is that what you think life is? Is trying to just, uh, the path is to figure out who you are and then just... God, I wish I was smart enough. No. I think <laughs> I think real joy is finding everyday pleasures. Like I always say like everyday luxuries, but um I think that you have to figure out like what what makes you happy? What's a thing that you do just for you? And you have to do that. Comedy is my thing. Like I do that for me and and maybe I make a little money, but it's not like it's not going to be my career and I don't want to... I like like making food for people. That brings me a great deal of joy. Um, it does. You do offer to cook a lot. You made me amazing Indian food. Oh, yeah. That was from a jar, boo. I just added some stuff to it. I'll send you the picture. Wow. Oh. Yeah. Did hook up. Yeah. Oh, wow. okay. oh, you can. like, But making a good like summer sauce takes See, for a long new, time. Uh, just cracking egg things. What? All right, you know, like the little single serve cereal bowls, mm-hmm. plastic bowls, the lid. So it's that with like fruit and like I don't know granola or some shit in it. You just open it up, 
crack an egg, pop it in the microwave, and it's like a fucking omelet in a bowl. Hmm. So I'm bringing like a 48 count to camp. But, uh, yeah. Oh man, camp, like, when I lived in the dorms, I think of, like, dorm food, and had a, it's like, I lived off of, uh, the bag of bean burritos, a thing of sour cream, and some cheese, like, had that down to a science, like, a good ramen recipe, like, you know it, that's, I also would come home after the bar, super drunk, smoke a bowl, make something, wake up the next day and eat it, and like, damn, this is good, and never be able to recreate it. You know, um... The rich or the the uppity, because I used to uh, be an RA and, and help out with uh, the food that they used to make on campus, right? Like, got to decide it, and so Hot for plate me, chef is a skill set. I so so campus started being more and more expensive because all these people who wanted these expensive types of food, like they wanted to me, you don't get to be a vegan in college. On campus, I'm saying it out loud. Unless you can afford it, well, I mean, like, that's what I'm saying. If you like, if you have the dining plan, yeah, like, yeah, you could pull that off. But I, I was of the, I used to be the guy that's like, look, I want my dining plan cheap as possible. So throw me pizza, salad, like the salad bar, pizza, and some water, and I'll eat that to have the cheapest plan possible. But all those people are like, oh, we need uh, a hot plate. I'm just going on a rant because that shit used to piss me off. I uh, I went to college for free. Oh, you I did? I had a full ride. Oh, And then I also you. had like, uh, well, because my dad and the GI Bill. My mom was a single mother. My dad did not help. My mom was a single mom and she hustled and she got me this. Then I got a whole bunch of like grants and mm. stuff. But I I think I wound up out of pocket, paid less than five grand for my three and a half years of college. Human oh. mistakes supports the troops, by the way. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You do, yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah, you got to support the troops. Yeah, of course. Support the troops. Of course. Yeah. Uh, lastly, <laughs> lastly, what I want to get from you. Oh, go ahead. I dated a stand-up for a hot minute, uh, and one of his big jokes was when people piss me off because they're poor parking, I have stickers made that say, fuck the troops, and I just put them in my car <laughs> and let nature take care of the rest. <laughs> Oh, that's. <laughs> you can't get bumper stickers made say anything. Yeah, you can't. I want to start popping some Men Two stickers on. Uh. <laughs> yeah, like just throw some like terrible social justice. Thing. Oh yeah. Me, me too it needs to be me too in the kitchen. You fat bitch. Like, put that on someone's car. Oh man. Free wine stain. <laughs> <laughs> I love Bill Cosby and Bill Don't lie, you still watch the Cosby show. I, I don't anymore. He just took it was too much. R. Kelly is one person I still listen to his music. I took Ooh, so I that's I can't. Like I, I deleted all of my Michael Jackson. Like I, I cause now I hear it and I feel I feel guilty. I've done that for everybody but R. Kelly. R. Kelly just it means it's a huge part one. of your life growing up, though. Huh? He just got hit with another one. I, I, I think I might have to. Dude, it's stacked. But that's also how you how you can tell someone's like was the like Kevin Spacey movies. I'm damn. There are damn. There, uh, there's just certain people that like because like Spacey or uh, a big one. I was talking to Stephanie Stewart about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
people who you didn't grow up with, it's different. Like, uh, Woody Allen. Yeah. He's one of those where it's just like, the, the, the crime, the person, the, the arts, uh, it's all just like separate to me because like, I'm not as attached to that, that person or persona. Whereas like R. Kelly, like he was like in my life at a young age. But I think it's also like that's the climate that you surround yourself with is you, you have pressure on you by other people to stop liking this or to stop listening yeah, to this. Yeah, peer pressure. And it's but that's also what helps affect social change is peer pressure change. and like more people coming out and being like, I think it's ridiculous when like gay people are, are dumb. Like what? That is <laughs> that is the most ridiculous thing in the world like please support lbgt and when i hear people talk about it it's it's so mind-boggling to me like how do you still feel that way <laughs> with r kelly for me it's he should be in jail all that right but it doesn't solve the root of the problem the root of the problem is that when he was the number one r&b artist when Har when harvey weinstein was making all the baby there were people those. helping him do it and that's the that's the overall problem with society is that if you're making the money and you're on top, no one's going to stop you from as doing what you're doing. As a small town comedian, as a small town comedian, I had heard that Louis C.K. Uh, likes to masturbate in front of people. Yeah. I heard that in South Carolina. Yeah, you can't tell me that people like John Stewart and all of these people like oh, I didn't know, I didn't know. If I knew this little podunk town yeah, that he true. did that. You've got to know that. Exactly. But knew about Cosby. Also, Louis' new hour is about to be fire. But uh, uh, they're doing that now. What about the hypocrisy of uh, oh, R. Kelly, lock him up, and if you like him, you're a piece of shit. But uh, Chris Brown's on top right now, and yeah, he was picked up for rape in Paris a few months ago. But He beat the shit, shit out of exactly. him. Uh, like, I don't want to listen to Chris Brown either. But it's, 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 all, it's just... It's convenient that but, R. Kelly's not selling albums no more. Now we want to go after him. But it. I also don't think that his music catalog shouldn't be available. Yeah. I don't think yeah. that they should pull all of Kevin Spacey's movie. Or, like, if you pulled all of the movies that Harvey Weinstein made happen, like, that it's takes like, out the majority of the popular movies from the 90s and 2000s. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're, like, there's so much. And so Blade that's. Trinity? <laughs> the I mean the Trinity movie of all time, yeah. but like you, there's so many problems that are so big, and like living in a big city, I mean, you have to fight your own battles, and you have to affect change with who yeah. you can. And like part of joy and 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 fulfillment for me is I like teaching improv, I like doing comedy because I feel like. Everyone should be able to laugh. Everyone should have a release. And when you get together and you watch live theater, live comedy, and you get to experience this thing in a mass of people you don't know, it makes you feel good. Mm -hmm. When you go to a show and you see an artist and you're sharing this wonderful moment where they're giving you joy and you're accepting it and you're with all of these other people, like when you go to a concert and you look around and people have their phones up, or people are like singing and dancing and they're they're having this joyous moment. Like that's powerful. Yeah. And that's putting good into the world. Exactly. Some more of the everyone who was involved should go that would solve the problem of people covering up stuff. If you cover up shit, you go to jail. Well it's it's again it's peer pressure. Yeah. It's 
the peer pressure works both ways, yeah, exactly. though. You can't rat on them because your career is over. You True. can't rat on them because that's how you you finally had your chance to make it. And you have a job doing what you enjoy, and you can feed your family and buy a vacation to Boca Raton. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to turn that in. Exactly. Like you can't ask a key grip who makes fourteen dollars an hour to turn in the most powerful man in Hollywood. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. And it's. It seems like a lot of people. Um, it's very. It's not as. It's obviously not as black as white as. Oh, sorry. Pause. I love that my dog keeps bringing you different toys. <laughs> I know which one do I want? So that you will find it's. She doesn't think it's her that's the problem. She's just giving you different options to play with. Because <laughs> eventually you'll play with her. I know. This is how all of the toys end up all over our house. <laughs> sorry. Uh, keep going. It's not as black as white, and I feel like people just want to sweep the problem under the rug by nabbing the the popular face of the moment. Yeah. In trouble. Well, they want to cancel them from Twitter, cancel them, take the get get Roseanne off the air, and then just never think about her again. Yeah. Instead of facing the actual issues of Hollywood, the entirety of Hollywood being a fucked up place. Well, you have to have. It's so easy to say I'm against this, I'm for this. Nobody wants to have a conversation where they talk about the gray areas, and also certain people. Find joy in being social justice warriors yeah. without looking at their own faults. Uh, I saw that study that said like they're like areas of your brain. I mean, they're getting endorphins from that. Shit. Oh yeah, call up culture. The, uh, Invisibilia had a great special on call I think up that's culture. Where I saw it. And uh, speaking of gray areas, if Justin McNeil was ever on a casting couch and his career is on the line and all he needs to do is sleep with the director. You sleeping with, sleeping with the director? I'm sleeping with the director. I'm sleeping with that director. I'm sleeping with the director. What do you need me to do? Yeah, you I'm want butt this. stuff? Yeah, you got it. You got it. I'm doing it for my kid, future <laughs> McNeil, Maximus uh, Mandela McNeil, Maximus Mandela McNeil, Maximus Mandela McNeil. I took one up the ass, uh, yeah. so you can go to the best private schools in the world. Dude. Sure, sure, all day. Sure. I just gritted my teeth and took it. I think George Clooney ever took it up the butt and now he's got his own island. I wouldn't blame him. That is a... I mean, I'll, for my own island? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what would you do for a conic bar? What would I do for my own island? Exactly. Like, I've had yeah. sex and regretted it and had nothing to show for it. I'll have sex and regretted it. Have me a million dollar if check. If a transaction, and I feel like this is worthy of the end of that transaction, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's, yeah. Oh, he's not lasting that Into long. It. I blew one scene, and all I got was this dumb shirt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I want to leave the people with this because we're about out of time. And the dog is going crazy. Uh, I want to leave the people with this. I come to you for relationship advice. Oh, man. So. Why? Because uh, you got it. You, you're married. You you have the goal. You're, you're in a happy... We're happily married. Yeah. But, like, I didn't meet Adam until I was 34. He didn't meet me until he was 40. Okay, so I got so time. So, you got time. Uh, let, give the hum, the little mistakers uh, relationship advice and then a sentence of life advice. And you're going to change someone's life out there. I think both are the same. Be particular. Mm, be particular. Like, care about what you do um i think a lot of people settle for a relationship that's good enough and i think that good gets in the way of great and yeah be particular give it like uh so there's this idea that you become you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with like if you're on toxic people you're going to be a toxic person so 
be particular with who you spend your time with and how you spend your time and, and what you do. All right. Little mistakers, you heard that. If you're around someone who is toxic, jump out of the car right now if you're listening. <laughs> be safe. Tuck and roll. Um, you got any advice how to get away from someone real quick? Uh, you can... Uh... 911 is also textable. You can text, you don't have to make the phone call. You can listen to Paul Simon's 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover, which only offers like seven ways, but yeah. still, they're pretty good. Not good at math, Paul Simon. I'm listening to that on the way home. I actually thought Kid Cudi sang that at first because he does a cover, and I thought I had never heard that song before, and then I heard it and was like, oh, this dude took it from Kid Cudi. And then I. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Simon, one of the greatest American songwriters of all time. Yep, 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 yep. Known remixer. <laughs> Stealing from Kid <laughs> Then Wikipedia is your friend, so I found out that uh, he, that is not how the order occurred. No, no. no. Speaking of, uh, can we bring Mrs. Robinson into the conversation? Because I feel like she uh, she should be taken down. Let's cancel Mrs. Robinson. This is Anne Bancroft. Ain't nobody canceling Anne Bancroft, but Anne Bancroft. Who's Miss Robinson? What? Miss Robinson? Anne Bancroft? Uh, married to Mel? Uh, um, not Mel Torme. Uh, Mel Brooks. She's married to Mel Brooks. Uh, it's the story from the 1960s about the guy who was in love with the girl who wound up sleeping with her mom. She seduced him over the summer. It's like Dustin Hoffman's first real big movie, oh. and Simon and Garfunkel did the soundtrack. Oh. Got some stock in the Yeah, oh, there's the, the big scene where, are you trying to seduce me, Miss Robinson? And it's like her leg and hit the camera view of like her thigh, and then he's on the bed in his little suit. Yeah. That's my greatest fear if I ever like get some kind of notoriety. Like someone tries to seduce me and I'm in a happy relationship because I'm not very good at turning down seduction. So, if you love the person you are, because I always thought that I would live this like free, polyamorous type lifestyle, and then I met Adam and literally everything changed. Oh, he changed my relationship outlook, my life outlook, like every, and it's not I changed for him, um, but it's like I met my person. And that's and that puts a lot of things into perspective because really? you stop living for yourself, and it's a choice to live with the other person and build something together. And that is beautiful. And we will end on that beautiful note. Good, Little mistakers, build something with someone else, whether it's a brick wall, uh, an improv scene, an improv scene, a mansion of many people, friends. <laughs> Or uh, a Lego dollhouse. Do it together. Uh, Remember, we find humor in mistakes. This has been Jen Bianchi, Andrew Gleason, and McNeil. Peace out.